bras and hoops, Lamar swoops, back alley cats, the back door cuts with alley oops, posting up, you on block or mic and booth and kick it out to one who likes to shoot, oh yeah, said we merging them, got 50 with a surgeon and some dope backs like Snoop Dogg, with Magic Irvin's and some more in like Master P and Dr. Irvin playing on how about maybe a little Wayne speaking on bird back then, bars and hoops y'all, we hitting up all courts, but now with the sports talk, next we talk all sports, back to it. Got Jada and Jamal Croft, haters get crossed out, crossed up across all actual facts, points of view that you've never seen from your favorite artists like talking about Gerald Green or Gerald Wallace, whoever's on your favorite team, L I mean on the verse and still be great on the name for being H. Drake's opinion on space, one synopsis of Blake, tip on Horford's fate, the fact we giving them straight, the truth they shitting on tape, who sports makes for a take, so true or you can debate on who you really done rate, come through it really be great, the true the fact like a state, AAM on Prime 8, please remember, bars and hoops, the center of the hood, make it part of your agenda. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up world? Bars and Hoops, episode 19, Steals the Great. You know, we got a pretty juicy lineup for you today. You know, today is the start of, you know, the 2017 NBA playoffs. You know, so we're definitely going to dive deep into that one. You know, we're going to talk about, you know, a lot of the post-NBA season activity, namely, you know, the turmoil that's happening right before our eyes in New York. And, um... I'll give you a little bit of my predictions on who I think the 2017 NBA regular season MVP should be. So let's just get right to it, man, and set it off, man. In the Eastern Conference, you know, we have some pretty juicy games, you know, coming up today and tomorrow. But I'm just going to run through the seedings the way that I see it as of now. And I'll give you my predictions on who I think is going to win the series. And, you know, moving on towards that goal of raising the NBA trophy at the end of the season. So let's just start with the uh, East Conf- Eastern Conference. The number one seed who surprised everyone, including myself, the Boston Celtics versus the number eight seed, Chicago Bulls. Now, you know, I think this is going to be a pretty interesting matchup. You know, um, you know, pretty much to me and to a lot of people, Boston overachieved this year. And call it what you may, but it's a lot of good coaching as well. You know, Isaiah Thomas has been playing out of his mind. He was he should he's an NBA, he's an NBA All-Star this year and he should definitely be in the MVP conversation, you know, as far as players in this league is concerned, but you know, due to other guys having legendary historic seasons, it may be hard for him to pull it out, but you know, Isaiah Thomas deserves all the credit in the world as well as Brad Stevens. But Let's get to the matchup, man. As I spoke about it just a second ago, you know, Boston comes in with um, a 50-win season this year. Like I said, no one predicted it, and they ended up capturing the number one seed led by Isaiah Thomas, who's averaging 29 points and five assists a game. You know, he has a sidekick in Boston. Again, they don't have any go-to guys outside of Isaiah Thomas, but Avery Bradley has been a good Robin you know, to the team and the addition of Al Hortford has also helped the Boston Celtics get to where they are today, you know, but on the other end of the spectrum, you're going against the Chicago Bulls, who has a young stud in Jimmy Butler, you know, who's averaging 20, 23 points this season, you know, six rebounds and five assists. And then you brought in the old veteran, old faithful, and he woke up towards the end of the season to kind of push the Bulls into this, uh, playoffs and that's Mr. Dwayne Wade you know comes in averaging a modest 18 points a game and then four rebounds but his veteran leadership and he's been to the mountaintop three times thus far and I think that his experience in this uh game and in this series is going to play a major role on you know the Bulls production you know coming into this series and I also can't forget the new addition of Robin Lopez you know that's a big man in the middle that can possibly give the Boston Celtics fits, man. Let's be honest. You know, Al Hortford isn't a isn't a center. He's a power forward. You know, Robin Robin Lopez is definitely a legitimate seven footer who's averaging about ten points and six rebounds. And you know, they're gonna give Boston's front line a lot of problems in that paint. You know, 
Not to mention that, you know, again, the Bulls, I was, I was very high on this team coming into the season because I looked at it as they have two athletic guards, even though Dwayne Wade's athleticism is diminishing. He still can play with the best of them, and he still plays above the rim to a degree when he wants to. He grabs rebounds. He's a great defender. He blocks shots. And um, I think that they're going to give Boston a run for their money, man. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bulls pull it out. But my wild card for this playoff series is none other than Mr. Ray John Rondo. You know, Mr. I don't want to hear anything. Mr. You know, he turns every coach off. You know, Ray John Rondo is just, he's his own man. He doesn't listen to anybody. But to me, he's going to be the key in this playoff series, you know. And I think that with him, it's going to be a very interesting season because him coming back to Boston, it's probably going to be emotional on him. I think that the fans will show him love because he was a fan favorite. But again, Ray John Rondo's a firecracker. And you never know what you're going to get with him. But I think that this is something that he's probably been chomping at the bits for for the longest. And the chance for him to get back to playing the ball, I mean, playing Chicago, playing with Chicago against Boston in Boston as an eight seed is no other way. It's no better way for him to find out a way to stick it to Danny Ainge and the Boston Celtics than coming in with Chicago and upsetting the uh, Boston Celtics in this first round playoff matchup. Do I think it's going to happen? Quite frankly, I don't think so because the Bulls have been inconsistent this whole season. Their bench play isn't that great. And, you know, it all depends on the health of Dwayne Wade. You know, Wade hasn't been a healthy guy and we've seen this for many years now. You know, he takes off some games in, you know, playoffs as well as regular season. So, depending on his health, is, is how far the Bulls can actually go this season. But as I have it right now, my wild card prediction and my prediction for this uh, series is Boston in six. You know, I got Boston in six, but I won't be surprised if it goes seven, and I won't be surprised if Chicago ends up beating the Boston Celtics, who, in my opinion, overachieved this year. But kudos to Brad Steven, kudos to Isaiah Thomas, you know, and good luck, you know, to the Celtics and the Bulls moving forward. In today's matchup, you know, which is the number two seed, the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Indiana Pacers. This is another series that I think is going to be a lot better than people actually predicted it. You know, of course, the key players, we all know that man, King James, LeBron James, coming in averaging 26 points, eight rebounds, eight assists. You know, he keeps it cool, does his job. Does his numbers. And my guy, you know what I'm saying? Point guard. Point guard. Kyrie Irving. Averaging 25 points. Five assists. And then you got Mr. Softy. But I think that he's a key player in this series. Mr. Kevin Love. Coming in averaging a cool 19 points and 11 rebounds. Against the Indiana Pacers. You know, led by none other than Paul George. And we all know the history of Paul George. Whenever he plays against LeBron James, whether it's regular season or the playoffs, Paul George always takes it to another level. And I think that he's going to definitely take it to another level against these guys. And um, he has a little bit of help. You know, I like Miles Turner. You know, Miles Turner is a good guy. You know, Thaddeus Young, you know, he's, he's definitely there. And I think that he'll play a role to help the Pacers, you know, as far as scoring and depth. I think they'll make it an interesting series. But... The wild card player who everyone will have their eyes on is none other than Mr. Coney Allen, Mr. Brooklyn, Lance, I'll blow on your air, Stevenson. <laughs> you know, even though Lance, Lance Stevenson, you know, he just got back with the Pacers, man. He already got into some drama, you know, showing up the Toronto Raptors, scoring on him, you know, guys pushing him. And he just walked off like, man, I'm just happy to be here, man. You know what I mean? I was ecstatic to be back. In Indiana, I wanted to do something for the fans. So, you know, Lance is only averaging a cool seven points right now. But I think that he's going to be a major contributor and a major factor in this playoff series. And I can't wait to see it in the next hour or so. You know what I mean? So I think that that's going to be a series to watch. And I think that everybody's going to enjoy it. And it's going to be pretty interesting to see, you know, how Cleveland, you know, bounces back. You know, from not being a number one seed to being a number two seed to LeBron James pretty being 
being pretty frustrated, you know, throughout the year. You know, he got what he wanted. He got the point guard that he wanted, Deron Williams, you know, who's a shell of himself. But um, I think that, you know, LeBron will probably rise to the occasion, do what he does. But the rest of the team, it remains to be seen. What would J.R. Smith do? You know what I mean? What would Amon Shumpert do? How are they going to affect this series? And quite frankly, it remains to be seen, you know? I don't think that this season is going to be... I don't think that this series is going to be a rollover or a pushover by any stretch of the matter. I actually have this this series going seven games and Cleveland winning in seven games. I don't see them losing in the first round, but I think it's going to be an entertaining series. And I think that Cleveland will win in seven. But Paul George is going to put on... This may be his last go around with the Pacers. You know, there's been a lot of rumors you know, trade rumors during the season and, you know, entertaining the fact that he may go back to L.A. You know, there's been a lot of things said and a lot of things on the table, you know, for the Pacers. And I think that Paul George is going to, you know, probably change his address, but he's going to go out with a bang before he does do it. But who knows? Maybe bringing back Lance Stevenson may make him feel a little bit better, make him feel like the days that he was dominating and doing what he had to do. You know what I mean? And, um... I guess the the addition of Jeff Teague can probably change that as well because, you know, Jeff Teague is a strong point guard, solid. His numbers have been solid while he was in Atlanta. He's back home in Indiana, so it remains to be seen, man. They still have a guy by the name of Monte Ellis. Who knows? He might just wake up. So I think that this series is going to be pretty interesting, man. I, I won't be surprised if Indiana puts a real scare in Cleveland, but I do have Cleveland in seven in an entertaining series. And by the way, if you, if you pay attention to LeBron James on IG, you know he only posts maybe one one post per playoff series and the rest of the time is strictly business. But it was an interesting picture that he put up with an a, a image of him and a lion's head in the back. So I guess he's letting you know he's ready to eat and he's the king, the king of the jungle. You know what I mean? So that's a pretty entertaining series and it'll be on later on today, which is Saturday. So hopefully you guys can check that out and enjoy it. The next series, which I think is not, this this is probably going to be one of the fastest series in the playoffs this year. And that's number three, Toronto versus number six, Milwaukee. You know, um, you all know the key players on Toronto. Mr. DeMar DeRozan, who was on a rampage early this year. Kyle Lowry should be back at some point in time during this playoff series. It may take him a little while to shake the rust off, but, you know, I don't really see them having that much of a problem. You know, they added Serge Ibaka. You know, that's he adds a little bit more veteran leadership and experience in the playoffs. You know, and Milwaukee, they come in with, you know, a great head coach in Jason Kidd, but I think that injuries, man, injuries cheated this team, you know, it's a shame because Giannis Adenacompo is a problem. You know, he leads his team in all categories. That's points, rebounds, assists. You know, they did get back Chris Middleton. You know, he was fresh off of an injury. You know, he's coming back in the form. But the fact that the, the Bucks lost Jabari Parker, which is sad. And I don't know how Parker's career is going to turn out after this. But it's a shame that, you know, the the... Bucks ended up losing Jabari Parker this season because they were playing great basketball before he went down with yet another knee injury. So who knows, you know, who knows what the fate of the Bucks will be. But I don't think that, you know, they're going to put much of a fight up. I think that Adenokounmpo is going to do his numbers. And, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, the, the young bright star, that's a rookie. He's going to hold his own a little bit. But I think that the bright lights of the playoffs might be a little bit too much for them. And I think that Toronto... Is going to win, you know, this series handily, you know, in four games. Like, real, it's going to be light work, real light work. You know, the wild card players for this series, I had it as P.J. Tucker. You know, he's going to have the assignment of God and the Greek freak, but I don't think he's going to make much of a difference either. You know, he's a physical forward that likes to, you know, get up on you. You know what I mean? He'll definitely put his body on you, bump you around, rough you up a little bit, try to take your heart, but... Ultimately, you know, I don't think that it's going to be that that tough of a series. And I think that, you know, Toronto's going to definitely handle business in four games. And that means a sweep. Yes. Sweep them up. Clean them up. Get them out of here. Next on the list. 
this is going to be an interesting series, you know, between the number four and the number five, which always is. You know, those are the two teams in the conference that are just a little bit above average. And it's a shame that they have to play each other this early. But this is what the playoffs is all about, man. It's about tough, hard-nosed basketball and only the strong survive. So with that being said, we all know who's Washington Washington key players, you know, Mr. John Wall. You know, he's having a hell of a season this year. Bradley Bill, they finally got it together. You know, him and John Wall, deadly backcourt. And they added Mr. Markeith Whoop Morris, man. You know, he's right, he's right down the way from Philly. And I think he found a new home in Washington because we all know what he was going through in, in, in Phoenix between, you know, him and Coach Hornacek back at the time. You know, they had to get him out of there, which was cool. You know what I mean? He came back, bounced back, came to the East, had a pretty decent season, averaging about 14.6 rebounds. And he's he's another piece and another weapon in that, you know, Scott Brooks-led offense of Washington. You know, we all know that what John Wall brings to the table He'll give you a double-double, 23-10. and 10. You know, he'll also grab some rebounds. But um, Bradley Bill is a good shooter, so this series is definitely going to come down to, you know, Will. Which, which, which set of stars is going to will their team to a victory? On the other side, you have Atlanta. You know, they come in as the fifth seed. But this is a sleeper team. This is one of those teams that you can't take lightly. Why? Because you have guys like Paul Millsap who's solid, you know, all-star this year. Dennis Schroeder, who's finally coming to his own after they traded Jeff Teague away. And then you got my man, Mike Howard. <laughs> I mean, Dwight Howard. You know, he might grab a rebound. He might block a shot. He might hit a free throw. But no matter what, he's still a pre- he's still a presence in the middle, and he's a big guy. You know what I mean? He's averaging 13 points, 12 rebounds. You know, he's a double-double machine when he wants to be. And not not for nothing, he's been to the NBA Finals before with the Orlando. So that's nothing to sneeze at, and you can't really sleep on the Hawks. You know what I mean? My wild card players for this series is definitely Tim Hardaway Jr. for the Atlanta Hawks. You know, he left New York, and rightfully so, which always happens. You leave New York, and you get better outside of New York because most, most athletes can't handle the bright lights of the big city here in New York. And... Tim Hardaway Jr. has capitalized off that. He went down to Atlanta, got his game together, and now he starts. He's averaging about 14 points a game. He has to make John, he has to make Bradley Bill work on defense because Bradley Bill is going to make him work on defense, and his defense isn't the greatest. But he has shown some heart this year, and I really like what I see from Tim Hardaway Jr. On the other side. Washington, they have Otto Porter. He's another guy that bounced back from, you know, a couple of injuries that he had early season, you know, um, last year. You know, he came back, finally played a, a full season at, 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 at full strength, healthy. He's averaging about 13 points, six rebounds. But the most important stat that he brings into this game is his three-point shooting. He's shooting 43%. From three-point range, three-point range. Excuse me. That's something that I didn't see, and you know, that's something that, quite frankly, can be a deciding factor in this playoff series because Atlanta no longer has Kyle Korver. You know, Kyle Korver is now playing in Cleveland with LeBron James, so they may not have the three-point shooting to keep up with Washington in this series. But uh, I still think it's going to be an interesting series. You know. Um, the Wizards always, they also have, you know, um, Boran Bogdanovich, you know, who once played for the Nets. You know, he's a decent three-point shooter as well. But ultimately, you know, as much as, as much as Washington brings into this series, the one thing that they don't have is experience. And I say that because, you know, Paul Millsap, Dwight Howard, even Dennis Schroeder, they have all been in the big dance already. They've all been to the playoffs already, so they understand the intensity level and how things change. And that's why I give Atlanta a slight edge. On top of that, their coach isn't anybody to snooze at. You know, he comes, Budenhauser comes from that San Antonio tree with Greg Popovich. So 
I really think that, you know, it's going to be an entertaining series. I, I predict it to go seven. But the outcome of the series, I do predict that the Atlanta Hawks will upset the Washington Wizards, who probably is the favorite in this series just because of the season that John Wall is having. And, you know, they're a better matchup for Cleveland if it ever came down to it. But I think that Atlanta will beat the um, Wizards in seven games in one of the most exciting playoff series this year in the Eastern Conference and in the Western Conference. With that being said, let's move on to the Western Conference. Hmm. The number one seed Golden State Warriors will be hosting the number eight seed Portland Trailblazers. You know, as much as I, I hate the Warriors, as much as I hate, you know, the fact that Kevin Durant went there, you can't take that away from them. Their key players are, you know, three all-stars. Kevin Durant, well, four all-stars. Kevin Durant, Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green. What, what more can you say, man? I mean, that's a video game squad. You know, Kevin Durant tilted the balance of the of the NBA one side to the West, man. You know, on Portland's side of the ball, I mean, they have one of the one they have arguably one of the bat, better backcourts in the league. You know, at one point I did say that they were better than Golden State's backcourt, but Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. You know, they average a combined 50 points together. You know, that may not be enough, you know, to handle what Golden State is coming with. You know what I mean? I, You know, I, I wish that it would be a good series, you know. But when you have wild card players sitting on the, well, not sitting on the bench, but in the cut, not getting much attention like Klay Thompson, who's averaging 22 points, three rebounds, and two assists. And by the way, he can shoot the lights out of the ball, and he can give you 50 at any, any given time. You know, Portland, they did add, you know, a big guy, Yusef Nurkic, you know, from, from, from Denver. You know, he came over, he's playing well, he has a low post game, and he gives them some presence inside. You know, but will that be enough? I don't think so. So, therefore, I don't see this series going past five games. Golden State in five, if not a sweep. You know, I hate to say it, but it is what it is, man. And on a side note, man, it's just sad because Damian Lillard is such a great player. I, I just think that, you know, his situation is going to end up being like Carmelo Anthony's situation where he um eventually would just have to leave Portland, man, and go somewhere else to really start over. Hey, come to New York. <laughs> I had to throw that in there because, you know, the Knicks are in bad shape. But that's that's another story. You know what I mean? But as far as the playoff series is concerned, you know, Portland is going down. I, 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 I'm I being modest in saying five games, but I won't be surprised if it's a sweep. You know what I mean? Because I, I like Lillard. I like McCollum. But ultimately, man, the Warriors are just too strong as far as their firepower is concerned and their starting lineup. And that they're just that's just going to will them to victory. And, you know, I think it's going to be a light series for them. So I see them winning in five games. Next series, the number two team in the Western Conference versus the number 17, the San Antonio Spurs versus the Memphis Grizzlies. A battle of the two brothers, Mark and Powell. But the key players for San Antonio are Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge. And you can combine that with Powell Gasol. You know, the Spurs are going to pretty much destroy, you know, Memphis. You know what I mean? I don't really see it being a good series. You know, even though Mike Conley Jr. is, you know, the highest paid point guard, highest paid player in the league, by the, by the way, I don't really see him making much of a difference. You know, Zach Randolph is a little long in the tooth. And, you know, Mark Gasol, man, I mean, you know, I like Gasol, but you should have left. You should have left Memphis, bro. But I, I respect your loyalty to the Memphis Grizzly organization and the fans. And, you know, good luck. But man, I don't really see you doing much against the Spurs this series. You know what I mean? I, don't get me wrong. They may win a game or two, but I'm predicting San Antonio in four. You know what I mean? Wild card guys like Tony Parker, you know, who's a veteran who's been there before, been part of the dynasties. You know, one with David Robinson and Tim Duncan. You know, he's about to win one now. Well, I'm, I'm not jump ahead of, ahead, of, ahead of things, but 
he has young studs like Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge to play with. You know, I just think that, you know, it's just going to be too much from San Antonio for Memphis to handle their benches. It's suspect. You know, Vince Carter starting at 40 years old. It's like, and that's no knock on Vince, my man, Vince Sanity. You know what I mean? But I just don't see this being a competitive series at all. You know, I, Popovich is a great coach. The Spurs are a well-oiled machine. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, the Grizzlies are going to be sacrificial lambs for the Lions, you know? Tony Allen, he's a tough, hard-nosed defensive player, but so is Kawhi Leonard. And Kawhi Leonard is going to make that boy work on offense. We ain't, we not even worried on defense, you know what I mean? Kawhi going to shut that down. But, um... Like I said, man, predictions are San Antonio in four, maybe five games, but definitely I'm going four games. You know what I mean? They out of here. But here's the most, this is definitely, this this matchup here, number three versus number six, Houston versus the Oklahoma City Thunder. You know, the Rockets versus the Thunder is going to be one of the best series featuring two of the final MVP candidates in this year's MVP race. None other than Mr. James Harden and Mr. Russell Westbrook, man. Those are definitely the key players. You could add Victor Oladipo to the mix. But the edge in benches, the bench is pretty much going to be the ones that determine the series. You know what I mean? And, you know, Houston's bench is nothing to sneeze at. You know, you got Eric Gordon and Lou Williams coming off the bench. They combined for 30 points off the bench together. You know, Lou Williams can put 30 up at any given time. Don't get it twisted. Lou Williams is one of those guys. You know, Eric Gordon, you know, he's gotten over the injuries. He's finally had a healthy season where he played a full season. He's another guy that can definitely put the ball in the basket. You know, they are truly wild cards for the Houston Rockets. But where I think this series is going to be one and where the matchups are going to get pretty interesting is in the paint and Oklahoma City's key players to me is Steven Adams and Enos Kenter. We know that Enos Kenter can score in the paint. We know Steven Adams can defend the paint, grab rebounds, and he'll score occasionally as well. And, you know, he had a coming out party, you know, when KD was there when they were in Oklahoma City. And I think that, you know, that is that hasn't changed. And I just think that Russell Westbrook is on a mission this year to prove that he's truly the league's MVP. And with that being said, I'm predicting that this series will be exciting and it will go seven. And I'm predicting that Oklahoma City will be victorious in seven games. That's right. Mike D'Antoni's style has been, it's still unproven in the playoffs. You know, shooting threes, you know, it gets tougher in the playoffs, man, to shoot threes, man. Guys tighten up on that three-point line. I mean, don't get it, don't get me wrong. James Harden gets to the basket with the best of them. But the key to his success this year was being able to kick it out to open guys for threes this year. And I think that the defense will tighten up on them. And it's just going to be a battle of wills between James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And quite frankly, I think that Russell Westbrook is the hungrier player, to be honest. And I think he's going to use some of that stuff that James Harden was talking about. Oh, the real MVP should be the person that has the better record throughout the season, I think that Westbrook is going to use that as fuel to add to his fire, and he's going to go bananas. I won't be surprised if he <laughs> if he averages a triple-double in the playoffs against these guys. Man, you got you might as well seal that. You might as well seal that, gift-wrap that MVP trophy, and hand it over to Russell Westbrook because I think the winner of this series will eventually be the winner of the um, MVP award this year. And I'm predicting Oklahoma City Thunder to win in seven games. That's right. I'm predicting that the Oklahoma City Thunder will win in seven games. Seven games. So that means that the number six seed will beat the number three seed in this year's Western Conference playoffs in the first round. You heard it here first. (laughs) Next and last on the list for the playoff series in the first round. And that's the number four and five matchup. And this is also going to be a good series, you know, between the number four seed Los Angeles Clippers and the number five seed Utah Jazz. Now, a lot of people hear Utah, they're like, oh boy, here we go. But quiet is kept. 
The Utah Jazz has won 51 games this season. Quinn Snyder is a hell of a coach. You know, Doc Rivers is a hell of a coach. The difference between the two teams is age. You know what I mean? To be quite frank, you know, um, Chris Paul is a little long in the tooth. You know, Blake Griffin is injury prone. DeAndre Jordan can't shoot free throws. But those are the key players for the L.A. Clippers. Now, on the Utah side, you got Gordon Hayward and a young Rudy Gobert. You know, Rudy Gobert is liable to score 20 points and grab 20 rebounds in a game. Mess around. You know, that's that's the type of talent he does have. And he's a very tall, lanky guy. He looks about eight feet tall. That's how tall he is. But he dominates on the defense and on the glass. And, you know, DeAndre Jordan is going to have a tough time, you know, keeping that guy off the boards. You know, Blake Griffin, he has to play a little bit tougher on the glass because, you know, they still got guys like Derek Favors that will come off the bench and, you know, give you some work in the paint. But I do predict this to be a long series. I predict it to be a very good series. You know, the wild card players in, the, in this game, which is kind of like a weak spot for the Clippers, but the Clippers are, they have Austin Rivers, and they also have J.J. Redick and Jamal Crawford. You know, J.J. Redick is, is, is a starter, you know, but he hasn't been playing well as of late. Jamal Crawford is starting to diminish in skills as well. And Austin Rivers has been coming up, you know. Two out of those three guys I just mentioned was definitely going to be trade bait for Carmelo Anthony at the trade deadline this year. You know, trade deadline came and went. They still ended up being with the Clippers. But those three are going to be the keys for the Clippers. And on the other end, Utah has George Hill. You know, he brings that that uh, that tough playoff pedigree that he learned when he was in Indianapolis with Paul George. You know, George Hill isn't anybody to snooze at. You know, he's also a disciple from that San Antonio Spurs uh, regime. You know, Joe Johnson is also there. You know, Joe Johnson is um is um a veteran, slick veteran. You know, he's he's been in the, he's been in the dance before, and I think that you know he's gonna make it. They're gonna make it an interesting playoff series. This this is another series that I predict going seven games, but I do predict that the Clippers will probably pull it out. But I won't be surprised if the Jazz beat them. You know, you shouldn't be surprised either because the Jazz is a very well coached team. You know, not a lot of flash, but great players. You know, they have great players on on their team, and they play together as a team. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen, man. Gordon Hayward may end up leaving this offseason. You know, there's been a lot of chatter about, you know, he may end up leaving, you know, Utah and going to play with the Celtics. You know, the Celtics gave him a standing ovation when he came to Boston. Reunite him with his uh, college coach, Butler from Butler, Brad Stevens. And we all know that the Celtics do want a small forward. And I think that's why they didn't jump on any Carmelo Anthony trade talk rumors. Because they kind of feel like they got Gordon Hayward in the bag. And adding Gordon Hayward to that team that they currently have is definitely making them favorites to win it all next year. You know, but that remains to be seen. But this year, I think that the Jazz will give the Clippers a little run for their money. This is the first time that the Jazz has been in the playoffs in many years. And I just think that it'll be an entertaining series just because of the athletes and the players that are playing in this game. You know, so that's my predictions for the first round. Next episode, I'll give you my semifinal predictions. You know, we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, the MVPs, and everything like that moving forward. But speaking of MVPs, let's get right to it, man. My predictions for the NBA, you know, 2017 MVP race comes down to two players, man. I just mentioned them. Russell Westbrook averaging 31 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. He's averaging a triple-double, man. He's the first player to average a triple-double since Oscar Robinson did it 55 years ago in 1962. Like, that's unheard of, man. And, you know, I heard a lot of people and seen a lot of videos on social media where everybody was knocking him and hating on him, talking about, you know, 
oh, it was designed for the big, the big men to leave it open so Russell could just grab the rebound. And, you know, you had all these guys going through tape and looking like they had no life and just trying to analyze every little thing and turn it into a negative because they don't like Russell Westbrook. And I don't like that. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I think that everybody should embrace history. You know, what he's done hasn't been done in 55 years, and people need to respect that. You know what I mean? Don't hate on it. Don't look for ways to discredit him and say, oh, he didn't get it authentically and all of this other nonsense. At the end of the day, man, he accomplished a feat that no one else has done. Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson. Everyone thought that LeBron James would be the one to eclipse that record. It hasn't happened. You got to give him his credit. You got to give respect where it's due, man. At the end of the day, Russell Westbrook, he plays hard. He played within the system, and, and he averaged 10 assists. I don't know any nuts. Like, people say, oh, yeah, he's a nut. He goes for solo. I don't know any nuts that average 10 points. I mean, 10, re 10 assists a game. The rebounds, hey, you got a point, but he flies above that rim, and he hustles. I see him going after rebounds. So you can't sit there and say that every rebound that he got, he didn't earn. Come on, maybe one or two a game. Okay, so what? If they did design it that way, so be it. His teammates wanted to see him break the record. That should be the only thing that mattered. You know what I mean? Not all this other stuff where guys are saying that, oh, it, it was a cheap, he was chasing stats, he was chasing the record. So what? That's another incentive to play the game. Why knock it? He played hard. Give that man his credit. You know what I mean? On James Harden's side, hey, listen, man, transitioning from a small forward shooting guard to a point guard, that's not an easy thing to do in the NBA. And kudos to Harden and kudos to Mike D'Antoni to having that foresight to make that change because not any, not everybody can do that. James Harden, I salute him. You know, he's averaging 29 points, 8 rebounds and 11 assists. You know, he definitely stepped his game up. You know what I mean? You can't discredit him either. He did something that nobody predicted him to do. He moved from small forward to shooting guard to point guard and had a hell of a season and led the the Houston Rockets to a 50-plus win season. That's nothing to snooze at. Nothing to snooze at. But in my mind, I got to go with history, man. Russell Westbrook, he defied all odds. At the end of the day, he, he took that Oklahoma City Thunder team to the playoffs put everybody on his back that team without him they're a lottery team you know what i mean they're a lottery team I, I i can't say it enough man what russell westbrook meant to that team and he doesn't rest he didn't rest until the last like the game before the last game of the season he played the last game of the season you know what i mean like you gotta respect that man at the end of the day people can say what they want but he showed and he displayed courage and heart to come back and play as hard as he did after losing Kevin Durant because, you know, the Thunder was scared and they were thinking that he was going to leave too. He ended up staying, he embraced it, and he averaged a triple-double. He had one of the best seasons that the NBA has seen in a long time. And I understand that guys like, you know, Wilt Chamberlain averaged 50 points and, you know, 20-something, rebound 30, rebound, some wild number like that. But at the end of the day, Wilt Chamberlain played against a bunch of small kids. That's like... Uh, that's like a 12th grader playing against a bunch of 5th graders. Yeah, I said it. And I heard that his triple-double was, I mean, his 100-point game was manufactured. They have no footage of it. They have nothing online. They have no type of video to show you how he got that 100 points. But all I know is that it came against my New York Knicks. And I'm pissed off about that. But anyway, man, with this NBA um, regular season coming down to an end, man, I got to give credit to, you know, Russell Westbrook and um, James Harden, they made it a hell of a season in this MVP battle. But I got to tilt my hat to Russell Westbrook, man. You know, that guy has averaged a triple-double, and he plays hard. And the games that he's won, that last game when he had the triple-double, he had 50-something points and had a triple-double. And the game when he shot from damn near half-court against Denver, man. To me, that sealed the deal right there, man. That just showed me that. He's not just playing for stats. He could have easily let the clock run out and just take the triple-double and go with it. He wanted to win as well, man. And you can't take that from him, man. And I won't sit there and allow anybody to tell me that, oh, you know, he only played for stats. And, you know, look at the tape and look at how they showing that he how they manufactured it for him and they made it easier. So what? 
it's another set of players on the court. They can they can chase those rebounds that he ended up getting as well. You know, you can't you can't knock it, man. You can't knock it, and I refuse to. And I salute Russell Westbrook, who I believe should be the 2017 NBA regular season MVP. Hands down. And if they win this playoff series against Houston, which I think that they can, he sealed the deal. That's the icing on the cake. Cherry on top. You know what I mean? Now, I got to be fair and have some honorable mentions. Isaiah Thomas, you know, he had a hell of a season. Averaged 28 points, 5 assists, 2 rebounds. He's not even 6 feet tall. He led the Boston Celtics to 51 wins this season, man. And they got the number one overall seed in the Eastern Conference. That alone is an accomplishment. Nobody saw that from the Boston Celtics. I know I didn't. I definitely didn't predict them finishing first in the conference, and I definitely didn't have them winning more than 50 games. So you got to tip your hat to Isaiah Thomas. You know, missed the fourth quarter. He turns it up. You got to give him his got to give him his credit. You got to give him his props. You know what I mean? He turned it up, and he led it. He led that team, put it on his little ass shoulders, and he carried that team. You know what I mean? Next. Under my honorable mentions list is Mr. Kawhi Leonard. You know what I mean? Kawhi does it all. You know what I mean? Still driving a Honda Civic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Kawhi's a throwback, man. He's he's like one of them old timers, man. Tell you, man, don't flash your money, man. You know what I'm saying? Live humble. Live quiet. And that's how he plays the game. Humble and quiet. He lets his skills do the talking, man. 25 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists on a, on a 60-something win team. Is, is remarkable, man. And Kawhi Leonard, hands down, man, is a great player. He's on the cusp. He worked out with Kobe Bryant during the off offseason. Excuse me. During the offseason. And it shows. You know, it definitely shows in his game that he worked on his game. And, you know, pretty soon he's going to be the league MVP. LeBron is leaving in the next couple of seasons. Kawhi is going to dominate this league for quite some time. You know, Russell Westbrook is still going to be around. It's, he had, Kawhi Leonard has a bright future, man. And, you know, he may not get the MVP this year, but he will get it within the next couple of years. I'm definitely predicting that from now because that boy is a problem. You know what I mean? Barring any injuries or anything like that, Kawhi Leonard is a great all-around player on offense and defense. And he doesn't care anything about your name at all. And that's a fact, Jack. Last on my list, man, today, man. You know I couldn't leave without giving you a little bit of New York Knicks drama, man. You know, where do I start, man? I had this team winning 55 games. Yes, I had them winning 55 games, barring injuries and everything. Factoring in that Derrick Rose was in the contract year. Joe Kim Noah, fresh off an injury, back home. He'll play with some intensity, but that that, that hasn't happened. What, had, what has happened is ridiculous, man. It's, it's like... You couldn't even fathom this. You couldn't even, this couldn't even be a script. You couldn't even write the script to be this hilarious. It's like a, a scene in Seinfeld, man. You know, it's like Phil Jackson, man. You know, when he came in, I thought it was a good idea. Don't get me wrong. 11 rings. He's a champion. Maybe these young players will look up to him. Yo, know, he coached Michael Jordan. He coached Kobe Bryant, Shaq, and he's won. But that has been far from the case man Phil Jackson has been an utter embarrassment to the league to himself you know he made this place a toxic place he made New York un unwatchable man he made players not even have a second thought of coming here man you know all of his moves that he's made you know what I mean throughout the years you know this guy Let's, let's talk about the moves that he's made. We're going to talk about some of the 10 worst moves that he's made, man. Since he's been here in 2014, traded Travis Outlaw and the 2019 second-round pick to the Sixers for Arnett Moultrie. You know, who the hell is Arnett Moultrie? He's never, he's never played a game for the Knicks. Never played a game for the Knicks. You gave up a second round pick in Travis Outlaw. I get it. You probably want to dump salary. So you did. But you gave up a second round pick, which was way too much. You know what I mean? 2015, he traded Tim Hardaway Jr. for Jerry and Grant. You know what I mean? Ultimately, neither of them play on the Knicks anymore. Jerry and Grant was traded to 
Chicago, along with Robin Lopez for Derrick Rose, who was only here on a one-year deal and doesn't look like he's coming back. You know what I mean? Like, stupid stuff like that makes me hate Phil Jackson, and he sits there and talks crazy. But we're not done yet. In 2016, after a season and a few... After one season, he fired Derek Fisher and appointed Kurt Rambis as the interim head coach. You're like, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? What are you doing? Like, why did you hire Derek Fisher in the first place? You know what I mean? He had no experience, but yet you want to hang him because at the end of the day, he realizes that the NBA is now a modern league. You know, guys are winning by shooting threes, not running triangles, obtuses, rectangles, octagons, whatever offense you want to run that scores two points. You know what I mean? Ball moving, yeah, ball moving, kick out, kick out, yeah, whatever, man. It sounds good, but it has yet to be proven to work outside of having Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, and Pau Gasol when he was on top of his game. It hasn't worked with anybody else, and it definitely hasn't worked without anybody but you coaching it, Phil. So what are you doing? What are you doing here? You know what I mean? Then you turn around and hire Jeff Hornacek. You tell everybody, well, he can do whatever he wants to do. You know, I'm not going to meddle. He can run whatever offense he wants. Now, all of a sudden, you're talking about triangle again. Like, yo, how, how stupid is this guy and how foolish is James Dolan? Like, you know, at the end of the day, man, fans, I blame the fans at the end of the day. And not the regular fans because the regular fans... The, the middle class people, they can't afford to go to the Garden 10 games out of a season. Maybe one or two. They'll pay, you know, to take their kids during the Easter holiday or, well, not even the Easter holiday because Easter around Easter is when the playoffs are, and we haven't seen playoffs in a long time during Easter. But during the year, Christmas game, Thanksgiving game, you'll take your kids to one, have them be a bleacher creature for the day, hopefully a T-shirt to shoot up top to you or something. You know what I mean? You take your kid there every now and then. But it's those corporate greedy bastards that keep sending their co-workers to games. Or, you know what I mean? These dumb fans that keep buying into this terrible product, man. You know, the end game, man, you got to get Dolan to sell the team, man. Because what he's doing right now is making a mockery out of all of us, man. And don't get me wrong. I don't completely blame him because at the end of the day, Dolan does spend the money. If anybody's spending the money, that means that he's scared because I'm not wasting my money. And I'm thinking this is the reason why he's letting Phil Jackson live out his contract because he gave him $60 million to be a complete fuck up. Excuse my language, but you, I got to say it that way. You know what I mean? Outside of Kate Kristaps Porzingis, who doesn't even like him right now because of everything that he's doing to Carmelo Anthony, you think that Porzingis isn't sitting back and looking and saying, oh, that's how you do? So you, you can possibly do that to me? All right, I got some. Forget you and your exit meeting. I'm riding with Melo. Regardless of the fact, people can look at Carmelo Anthony and say that he's part of the problem. He is part of the problem. But at the end of the day, I remember Carmelo Anthony, before he read up and signed this contract, he demanded that he that the team changes the culture. He wanted to be more vocal. He wanted to be in meetings with free agents, potential targets, and he even gave his input on coaches. One was Mark Jackson, the other one's Tom Thibodeau. What did Phil do? I don't care what you say. Just just trust the process, Melo. Don't worry. We'll get you a competitive team. What did he turn around and do? You let Jeff Van Gundy, you let Tom Thibodeau, who was basically begging to come here, and you let Mark Jackson all sit waiting for a phone call, who all have ties to the Knicks, by the way, Outside of your ties that you had in that 72 championship team where you was basically an eighth, ninth man off the bench. These are guys that actually had some success after you were here, Phil. You didn't listen to any of Carmelo Anthony's requests for any of those guys. And what did you turn around and do? You went out there and you said, let me trade for Derrick Rose. Let me sign Joe Kim Noah for $72 million. Fresh off of injuries and surgeries and I'm gonna hire Jeff Hornacek by the way why wouldn't you hire a coach that's familiar with all three of those guys 
the three core players that you would have had this year, Carmelo Anthony, Joe Kim Noah, and Derrick Rose. Why would you not entertain bringing in Tom Thibodeau if you're not going to hire Mark Jackson or Jeff Van Gundy? Any one of those guys would have been great. But Tom Thibodeau, and what's the Knicks problem right now? Defense. It's not even your circle, Bermuda Triangle, whatever it is that you got these guys running right now, or whatever it is, Hornacek, the puppet, has them running right now. They would have been playing defense. They would have played defense under Mark Jackson as well because listening to Mark Jackson commentate and talk about the game, he clearly knows what he's talking about, and he was part of the major development that happened in Golden State with Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green. But no, Phil was like, I want I want triangle guys and learners and all this other philosophical bullshit that you sit there and talk. You know what I mean? You didn't pay $60 million. You don't even scout anybody. What are you looking for? You're looking for guys that, oh, I'm looking for, I'm looking for guys that, that footwork and all this dumb shit. Fucking dickhead, man. Phil Jackson is an asshole, man. Fuck Phil Jackson. You know what I mean? But back to his blunders. This guy traded Robin Lopez, Jose Calderon, and Jerry and Grant for Derrick Rose and Justin Holiday. And he got a second round pick. But at the end of the day, that pick is... I don't even know, man. Scott traded Tyson Chandler when he first got here for Jose Calderon, Samuel D'Alembert, you know what I mean, Wayne Turner. None of these guys are on the team anymore. You know, we've been getting killed on the boards. We don't have a center. We don't have a solid point guard. You know what I mean? Phil is an idiot, man. And anybody that can sit there and say... Carmelo's the blame for this season. You're a jackass. You know what I mean? Because the two seasons prior to this season when Phil spent all this money to bring all this help, supposedly to help Carmelo Anthony and Kristaps Porzingis get over the hump, they were D-League players, one-year contract guys. How is Carmelo Anthony supposed to lead that? You know what I mean? How can you lead a team of one-year players and D-League guys and you want to run this triangle offense. How can you get some consistency with players that aren't going to be here? And how can you sit there and turn around and blame Carmelo Anthony for all the defense that the team wasn't playing this year? He wasn't the only person not playing defense. Like, are you kidding me? Like, yo, this guy's out of control, man. I don't I don't get him, man. I don't get him. I don't get his philosophy. And he's just a, you know, he's just a bonehead, man. You know what I mean? He's a bonehead. He was a great coach. Piss poor GM. Horrible GM. Horrible president, I should say. Horrible. In January of 2015, he traded away J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert to the Cavaliers for Lua Munson, Alex Kirk, Lance Thomas, Lance Thomas, and a 2019 second round pick. The only one still here on this team is Lance Thomas. And we do have a second round pick in 2019. Hasn't equated any wins, but guess what? J.R. Smith and Iman Shumper got a championship that year. You know what I mean? Next man's trash, another person's treasure. You know, two players that Phil deemed as not being learners. Nah, they not learners. I need learners here. I we worry about the footwork and uh, moving off picks and passing the ball, constant moving. Shut the fuck up with that stupid shit. Like, shut up with that, man. Like, get out of here. The game is past you, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, all of that nonsense you're talking. And Kobe and Shaq, well, Shaq isn't going to talk bad against you. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, they were Hall of Fame players, man. This is a different situation here. Again, and I say it again and again, the triangle has never worked or proven to be a, a good asset or a great game plan outside of you coaching it. Kobe, Shaq, Mike, Pau Gasol, and no, Scottie Pippen all playing in that system with great role players around them. Horace Grant was a great role player. Steve Kerr, John Paxson, BJ Armstrong, all knockdown shooters. Lamar Odom, great players. Shout out to LO2, man. Southside Queens, you heard? It never worked outside of any of those guys. Never. And now you want to talk about, oh, well, you know, whoever doesn't want to be a part of it, no one's untouchable. So you mean that now you ready to get, give it a KP? I would said this a long time ago. If the Knicks were smart, I'll start exploring trade options for Ken, uh, 
Kristaps Porzingis in this year's draft. If I could get a top five pick for Kristaps Porzingis and a decent uh, role player, veteran, this season, I'm pulling the trigger. Bye. You want to get rid of Carmelo Anthony? Bye. But you better make sure you get some tangible things back, man. And not no journeymen, middle-of-the-road guys just to make up salary either. You know what I'm saying? Because if that's the case, what I think is going to end up happening is Carmelo Anthony saying, you know what, Phil? Kiss my ass, man. You want to come up on the media and talk crazy? I was willing to work with you. Now y'all going to give me a buyout. I'm not I'm not doing you any favors. You know what I mean? I was committed to you. I was committed to everything that you presented to me. And now you want to turn around and go on the media and try to slander my name, talk all reckless, talking about I'm no longer wanted here and I can't win here when you haven't given me anything to win here with. You didn't surround me with great talent. You surrounded me with mediocre players and expected me to be LeBron James or change, like you said, a leopard to change his skin, his, 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 his spots after 13 years in the league. Like, come on, man. How stupid is that? How stupid is that, man? How, it's funny how this whole season turned from playoff contention to what was Carmelo's fault when Carmelo didn't put this team together. You know what I mean? Now it's Carmelo doesn't play defense. Oh, he takes time. He takes plays off. A lot of players take plays off. Let's be real. It's not just Carmelo. Derrick Rose takes off plays. As a matter of fact, Derrick Rose's defense was atrocious. And here you are talking about, oh, you might end up entertaining bringing him back. He wants to come back. If you bring Derrick Rose back, you deserve to be fired. Fact of the matter is Derrick Rose is finished. Like he got another knee injury. Doctor said chances are he'll get another knee injury. He can turn into an all-star, but chances are he'll be injured again. And at the end of the day, we don't need that. We went through this with Amari Stoudemire, man. Derrick Rose's knees, I'm sorry, man. I love I loved the fact that D-Rose played hard this year. He played very well. You know, he played very well, shocked a lot of people. You know what I mean? I think that he'll be a great two-guard in New York. But I wouldn't pay him the money that he wants. And quite frankly, you can't depend on him. You know what I mean? He would have been a great addition at the two. And... Had the Knicks made that trade with Minnesota, it probably would have benefited the team better. You know what I mean? Now you would have brought in a, a, a true facilitator in Ricky Rubio, who did want to come here, by the way. He wanted to come here. Tom Thibodeau, Tom Thibodeau wanted Derrick Rose. Now what's going to happen is Derrick Rose is going to walk. He's going to go to Minnesota. He's going to rehab his knees. Be under his old coach, Tom Thibodeau. You know what I mean? And the Knicks are going to be stuck with the rookie that... The, the, that the fans and the media are going to put unfair expectations on. No Carmelo Anthony here. Kristaps Porzingis is going to fold. You know what I mean? They are going to fold. They are going to. He's going to fold. And the media is going to be ready to run him out of town, man. They are going to run him out of town, man. Joakim Noah, great leader terrible signing he was signed in 2016 for 72 million big ones you know what I mean Carmelo Anthony re-signed for 124 million for five years and a no trade clause good luck with that Phil you created a fight and Carmelo doesn't care what anybody thinks at the end of the day I'm convinced with that and I respect his second life his second childhood and his second passion is being an activist at the end of the day so you're not running him out of town that easy. He doesn't care how people look at him at the end of the day. I'm not going to say that he's not going to go, but he's not going to go on your terms. He's going to make sure that the terms that he does agree to benefits him at the end of the day. Not this organization that turned their back on him. You know what I mean? This fan base that made it seem like everything was his fault because of you and Charlie Rosen. You know what I mean? But good luck, man. Good luck next year, Phil. You got to two years. You got two years. Your 60 million is your 60 million for the five years is signed, sealed, and delivered, bro. You know what I mean? You could buy Genie tons of roses. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Genie daddied you. Now you don't have nothing else to do, so you might as well take the job serious here. You might as well. 
You know what I mean? I'm just done with this whole thing, man. And, you know, Phil Jackson is a bozo, man. Like, I lost a lot of respect for that man. I think a lot of other analysis and fans and his colleagues, they all lost, they all lost respect for him. You know what I mean? His number one prize possession ultimately lost respect for him. And then, then we're going to get to KP and we're going to wrap this up because I'm ready to go watch some playoff basketball. But I'm just going to say this. Kristaps Porzingis, the the monster that they created with this kid is, is irreversible now. You got him feeling like, you know, you, you treated Carmelo Anthony terrible because you looked at the future and telling him he's the future. So he moves as he moves like he's the future. Carmelo Anthony played the last game of the season this season. Kristaps Porzingis was in street clothes. So that just shows me in his mind, he feels like he doesn't owe the fan base anything. At the end of the day, bro, you ain't bring us no championships. You didn't bring us to the promised land. You didn't even get us to a playoff series. We haven't even won more than 50 games with you. And you already walking around here like you this hot shit. Like you did nothing. Nothing, man. You know what I mean? You did nothing for this organization. And he had the audacity to not show up to an exit meeting in his after his second year in the league. You know what Carl Anthony Towns is doing in his second year of the league? Setting rookie records in Minnesota for points and rebounds by a, by a rookie, by a second-year player. You know what I mean? That's what Carl Anthony Towns is doing. What's KP doing? Oh, I'm not coming to that exit meeting. I don't like the direction that the franchise is going in. And and I respect him for that. I do respect him for that. Because he's looking at it. That could be me next. I see the writing on the wall, too. Now you want to throw me under the bus? You want to you wanna get rid of them? one of my mentors that helped me get through this season, taught me things? I mean, yeah, he taught me some bad habits. But at the end of the day, he basically shielded me from the media. So when things went bad, the microphone wasn't always shoved in my face first. But guess what? The way that you set this young kid up, Phil, is to basically destroy him, man. It's basically going to destroy Chris Stapps, Paul Zingas, and he sees the writing on the wall. So my suggestion for you, because next year is going to be another 25-30 win season. You know, I don't care who you trade Carmelo for, whether it's draft picks, journeymen, because that's what it's looking like. It's looking like that deal for Austin Rivers and J.J. Redick and all these other guys who are not going to want to play for the Knicks when they get here. You heard J.J. Redick's comments. The difference between Coach K and a lot of these other coaches is that, you know, he's willing to adapt to the game and the players. So that was a clear indication right there. Like, don't even trade for me, bro. I don't want to play for you. I have no reservations for trying to play in a triangle offense, man. I really don't. So good luck, Phil. Good luck, good luck, Knicks. You know what I mean? You're about to lose one of the best things that happened to this franchise in 20 years. From a fan's perspective, that was actually prideful and happy to watch Knicks games, to now you're going back to those years in the 2000s when fans didn't even watch games anymore. But the garden was still packed, so what are we talking about here? You know, as long as fans keep putting money in Dolan's pockets, nothing is going to change, man. So on that note, fuck you, Phil. Big ups to Carmelo Anthony. KP, get your game together if you plan on staying here, because if not, the media is going to run you out of town. And Dolan, you need to sell the team, you fat punk. <laughs> Let me stop. All right, my closing thoughts, man. You know, I, you know. I'm a big hip-hop fan, man. You know what I mean? And so far, thus far, you know, being that we just got through the first quarter of the uh, uh, year, you know, as far as music concerned, man, music is concerned, some of my favorite albums, well, one of my favorite albums, one of my most favorite albums that's come out so far is the Rick Ross, God Forgives and I Don't album. That album is dope, man. Rick Ross has earned my respect. I got to give him his props, man. Hopefully one day I could be sitting next to this man interviewing him and chopping it up with him about, you know, sports and music and things of that nature. Also, Drake, More Life. I haven't listened to it yet. I'm going to get to it. I just heard one of the tracks, even though I'm, I'm a little bit behind on it. 
I didn't get to it yet because I've been jamming to a lot of other things, Raekwon and, you know, all this other stuff, West Side Gun, Benny, that whole Griselda movement, you know what I mean? Shout out to Griselda, you know what I mean? Buffalo, West Side Gun, you know, Conway the Machine and Benny. I see you guys. Y'all get a lot of y'all get a guy y'all get a lot of love in the city out here, boy. You know what I mean? But the album that dropped yesterday that everyone is talking about and they have been talking about his videos for the longest is Kendrick Lamar. Damn. You know, I you know, I haven't heard the whole album, but I did hear a couple of joints. I did like what I hear. A lot of other stuff I got it probably has to grow on me, but I'ma definitely give it a good listen and get back to my people on the next episode. You know what I mean? A bars and hoops. You know, give you my little feedback on that album. But on that note, I wanna wrap things up and you know I wanna tell everybody like this, man. Life is all about love and hate, man. The key to life is to make sure that the love outweighs the hate. And I'm still the great baby. Peace. <laughs>